We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome everybody, Steve with Sons of Fidelia coming at you on the 15th of February, year 2020 with Robert, I hope I don't kill your last name, uh, Robert Calhoun? Calhoun, Calhoun. Calhoun, yeah. Calhoun. my apologies, <laughs> uh, one, of my, one of my teammates in college was a Cal, Calhoun, but I anyways. He's the director of international campaigns for 40 Days for Life and is based across the Great Pond in London, England. So welcome. Hey, how's it going, Steve? Great, great to be with you today. Uh, real privilege to be on your show. I appreciate you coming. And uh, yeah. disclosure, everybody, I was supposed to have him on a half hour ago, and I was late. Baptism <laughs> <So, laughs> and a party afterwards, so um, <laughs> I'm eating an energy drink because I skipped my nap. So we're gonna, <laughs> well, we're gonna go. <laughs> I've got a new baby, so uh, we're we're 24 hours here. So time is. <laughs> Time has lost all capacity. It's kind of round the clock at the moment. Yeah, so no no problem at all. She's like, what's going on here? It's too quiet. Yeah. Somebody crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Robert, tell us about the work you do. Fantastic. So, um, I work for 40 Days for Life. I'm the international director, and I've been doing this job uh, nearly 10 years now. Uh, and what we do is we help Christians end abortion where they live and uh, 40 days for life it's a locally organized community initiative encouraging christians to pray and fast um, for an end to abortion so there's three parts of a 40 days for life campaign uh, prayer and fasting um, recognizing that prayer is uh, one of the most powerful important parts of the christian life um, and we encourage um, christians to go to the place where abortions are happening in their local community usually the local abortion center or maybe a hospital, uh, we encourage people to organize a prayer vigil there round the clock um, for a six-week period during Lent and also autumn. And we also encourage Christians to do community outreach, taking a positive and upbeat um, pro-life message to the whole community through media, door-to-door, -door, churches, schools, universities, uh, any way to building a growing awareness of the humanity of the unborn child. So um, it's, it's a really, really great campaign, 40 Days for Life. And what's so unique about it is uh, this is grassroots um, pro-life activism. It's on the streets, and we're encouraging Christians to pray outside the place where abortions happen in their local community, and it's a place without a lot of hope. And um, that's why we, we've seen incredible results from this campaign. It's been going nearly 15 years now, and we've seen nearly 16,000 babies, over 16,000 babies saved from abortion. Those are just the ones that we know about. And uh, we've been going nearly 10, nearly 10 years in the United Kingdom. We've seen uh, a thousand babies saved from abortion from, from this particular ministry and, and reaching out to abortion-minded women 
offering alternatives, offering hope. Uh, you never know where people are in life, and we're not there to judge or condemn people. We're there to offer God's love, God's mercy, to be the last sign of hope, um, the first sign of mercy for anyone who's had an abortion. So for most people, it's going way outside their comfort zone to go, you know, you ask them to go and pray outside an abortion center, something they've never done before, but we're getting people involved in the pro-life um, getting people involved in the pro-life movement for the first time uh, and that's something really exciting something they never get to forget to go to go and pray it's it's a it's a difficult thing to do nobody wants to do it um, but it's incredibly spiritually fruitful and and we're on the we're on the front line of a culture war between the culture of death and the culture of life so so what really appeals to me in this work is um saving lives inspiring hearts and minds impacting eternal souls you know this is what this ministry and work is all about and, you know, God has amplified this ministries from humble beginnings in Texas to now an international movement. And we just get bigger and stronger every year. And, and God adds, uh, you know, weapons to, to our armory every single year. Last year was unplanned, the film. Uh, and this year we're just getting more organized, more countries coming on board. And I've had a front row seat seeing God's grace in action. Um, o over this time and um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to what's what's next in store so basically my role is to connect attract leaders um, to inspire people to take up leadership roles to organize conference to travel internationally uh, I've been to over 30 countries in the last five years promoting the campaigns so I've seen abortion all around the world and um, yeah it's it's a it's a it's a privilege to do this work it's a challenge uh, it's a spiritual struggle um, but it's one that's incredibly spiritual fruit, spiritually fruitful. And um, yeah, I look forward. There are 100 abortion centers in the United Kingdom. Uh, we've got prayer vigils outside 13 of them. And the abortion uh, providers in the UK say there are protests outside 50 of those centers. Now, our ministry has grown three times over in the last uh, 10 years. Um, so we had one campaign and then we doubled and doubled and doubled again. Uh, so we've grown three times over. If we were to grow three times over again, we'd be praying outside every single um, abortion uh, centre in the United Kingdom, not including the hospitals that do abortions here. That, now, that would be an exciting time <laughs> in the UK and, and light years from where we are now. So, so God uses mathematics in, in funny ways and he grows this ministry um, beyond our wildest imaginations. So it's a great time to be involved in the pro-life movement, particularly in America. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to be uh, challenged at the moment and, and you know, a lot to talk about today. Yeah, I'm a... I was coming in from the southeast. I grew up in, uh, born in Florida, grew up in South Carolina, now live in North Carolina before going to Colorado and back. So I'm a big, we get in bread with states rice as your breakfast. You're here. <laughs> so I've been pushed. I got a link on my, I put a blog up. One of my first ones that I actually wrote was on abortion and states rights. Okay. States, I remember hearing this six years, it was six or seven years ago from this one blog called The Catholic Knight. You talk yep. about the states will be the ones who's going to end abortion in the United States. And because here in the states, everyone gets their permits out to DC and, you know, it's DC <laughs> or bust. You've got guys running down the street for local reps. Yeah. For 20 times in a row. They're there forever. But no one runs for it. But I'm, so I'm trying to get guys to get into the. I ran in 2010. I lost. But uh, <laughs> um, if we can get the states to ban it, then mm -hmm. the feds won't be able to do anything about it. And, you know, the, <laughs> you know, it's just, I got the whole thing listed up and it was a year ago. And then all the states this year started exiting it out, exiting out. And you saw all of Dixie, it was all of Dixie again, going mm -hmm. abortion-free or abortion-free bills going on. Um, 
what's how's it i know england's got a different and all the other countries are different like that can they can people do anything like that or how can they influence lawmaking uh, per se so um basically things are quite different from the united states to the united kingdom i mean in america the supreme court um, you know, had a very radical policy in, in 1973, Roe versus Wade import, imposed abortion on all 50 states. It's got one of the most radical abortion laws the United States in the world, you know, on a par with China, you know, North Korea, um, Canada, a very, very radical policy. Um, in the United Kingdom, uh, abortion is partially decriminalized. So what happened in 1967 in the UK was um, basically uh, abortion was against the law. Um, but then they said, you know, well, let's make a few exceptions. Um, you know, if you have two doctors, if you sign it off, um, you know, on grounds of mental health, um, there can be exceptions to, to the abortion, abortion law. And, and that forms the basis that, you know, that there are exceptions in which you may legally have an abortion. What we have in reality in the United Kingdom is abortion on demand. Mm -hmm. um, we, we are in a very secular country in, in the UK. Uh, just about five, 10 percent of people go to church. Uh, we haven't had a real serious challenge to the abortion law in 20 years legislatively in the United Kingdom. And also only about 20, 30 of our members of parliament out of 660 are pro-life. So pro-life movement's very much on the periphery in the UK. So it's very hard to change laws uh, in the United Kingdom. Not, not only that, abortion providers um, receive uh, a lot of taxpayers' money um, in the United Kingdom, uh, abortions uh, charities, receive money from the government and then they go and advise the government having been given 30 million pounds advise them on what abortion policy should be and at the moment they're pushing very very heavily for um decriminalization to have abortion for any reason on any grounds to have no law at all kind of a bit like canada so um ireland has just been lost they, they lost the referendum there um ireland has just you know become a sort of pro-abortion in the in 2018 and we also lost northern ireland that was never in, in had part of the 1967 act recently as well so a whole province of the united kingdom you know suddenly abortion was imposed on them by westminster they do have a, a regional assembly there so so things are very very bleak politically uh, and very challenging to change the law legislatively um, but but what we are with four states for life is a locally organized community initiative and, and when we change the culture you know, when the cultures change, that's when we can, you know, move up the, move up the kind of um, food chain and, and, and thinking about laws. When the cultures change, and hearts and minds are changed, and that's, that's when we're going to get laws, laws gradually changed. And, you know, we want to get to a position where abortion is unthinkable in the UK, and that's, that seems a very long way from where we are at the moment. But um, probably it's the same in America. Ten years ago, um, you know, uh, Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion provider in America, seemed absolutely impenetrable. Mm -hmm. they, they had all the politicians, they hold all the taxpayers' money, they had the media, you know, they had uh, the swamp in Washington, uh, and they were like this sort of tank that couldn't be touched. And, you know, n nothing that anybody did could touch them. They were just invincible. And you, you kind of think, you know, how how is things going to change it? And today Planned Parenthood is, is nothing what they were 10 years ago. You know, they've had three CEOs in 18 months. Um, they've lost a lot of their taxpayers money. They've got the most pro-life, you know, president in the history of the United States. Um, they've had all these videos from David Daleiden thrown at them. Um, and it's just a mess really. You know? And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of David versus Goliath and it, their, their time is up, you know? So, you know, this is a once in a generation time, you know, Trump, Trump's second 
um, time in office to, to see a major change, you know, Roe versus Wade gone, more uh, justices on the Supreme Court. So, so it's a very exciting time for the pro-life movement in America to have Trump speaking in the March for Life. You know, a lot of, it feels like a lot of dominoes are sort of lining themselves up for, for a cascading sort of development. And, and what we need to do in the UK is not only take inspiration from what's happening in the United States, um, but we're a smaller country. Um, and we need to get our churches on, you know, on board. We need to inspire, impact people on the local level. And, you know, when we do that, and we, we've seen the results of that. We've seen five abortion centers close here in the UK. And we've seen a thousand women who've been scheduled for an abortion choose life. We've been banned in a couple of places, which, which is actually quite encouraging to get banned. It's like sort of virtue signaling here. Um, it's like street cred, you got banned, you know, and it's kind of like amusing that they, you know, bother to, we, we're on a par with sort of, uh, criminals and you know vagabonds on the street that we're not allowed to express ourselves in public so we got so, the SPLC for that <laughs> yeah it keeps it keeps you humble and you know keeps you humble and uh, but we've had such an impact that you know wow right ban these people which is which is great you know and actually um, women who've been scheduled for an abortion who've chosen life for their children you know they've taken the case to the supreme court here and their, their story's gone across the national media so so god's used those stories in, in a big way so the more attack we get, the more the more our profile roses, and the more people we can reach. So uh, yeah, we've got a long way to go in the United Kingdom before this issue comes up. You know, environmentalism is trendy here. Yeah. Um, you know, as an issue, we're just not on the radar at the moment. But you just got to keep on working away, and and you know, we'll have our time, and maybe it's going to be in five, ten years' time. But just keep building up <laughs> as time goes by. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite football team, well, American football team is the Panthers and they keep their, the logos keep pounding. So we just, you keep pounding <laughs> away till they're done. Um, yeah. We, when we were in Colorado, well, my first time going to a abortion clinic to pray, as when you were talking about that intro, I remember, went back to that day. It was like eight years ago. I remember sitting in the car, looking at it, parked across the street going, I ain't getting out. I'm already here. I'm terrified to get out. <laughs> Got out, forced myself to go up there. Ten minutes later, somebody drove by yelling, hell, Satan. And I was like, all right, I'm in the game. <laughs> um, when we were in Colorado, Father Hardy would have mass. They're outside, right across from Planned Parenthood all the time. The people that were running the uh, security outside would turn the radio off for us so, so we could say mass. <laughs> but they turned it up for with the process because they were yelling at everybody to walk in. <laughs> Um, what kind of advice you can get to somebody to, because even at the masses in Colorado, we 10 to 15, maybe people would show up. Uh, it's kind of like people will show up for the cool things. So, you know, the March for Life, 500,000 people show up. Uh, we had a, a bishop walk around, do seven laps of Eucharist procession around the plant barrier that we had. Uh, it was a mile block radius overcrowd. But we've had, you know, prayers or the, the little, th the things that aren't sexy, like, mm -hmm. yeah, really, we get a hard time getting anybody to come out. What's some advice to help boost those numbers or uh, encourage people to get out there and do that? Well, uh, when I first got involved, I knew it would be a hard sell. So I used every trick in the book and uh, getting young people out there. And uh, to begin with, I thought, you know, this is going to be a complete failure. We're not going to connect with people. So mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I said, uh, you know, I know it's not a romantic place being outside an abortion clinic, but, uh, you know, you might see your future husband or uh, meet your future husband or wife outside. And uh, sure enough, a lot of young people pitched up at the beginning. Um, but I think um, 
I think, yeah, it's a, it's a hard sell. It's somewhere that people don't want to come. Um, it's, you know, you're going against the grain, um, you know, to express your views in public. Um, people are going to tell you where to go, and sometimes that's not very nice. Um, and, yeah, it, it's, it's very, very difficult. But, uh, but if you can inspire, empower people with stories, uh, I think that's some of the most powerful ways in which uh, I've been inspired. And um, it personally invite people is the key um, and just be really ruthless in, in contacting everybody, having a strong team. Uh, you know, we train people with Full for Life how to organize a campaign, um, how to get people involved, how to approach churches, how to personally invite people and using your imagination, creativity and initiative. You know, um, I heard of a story of a young man in America and he, um, he recently uh, was awarded our, our scholarship and he had um, set up his own Wi-Fi network and so it was within the vicinity of the abortion center so with young women kind of logging on on their phones while they're waiting for an abortion he owned the Wi-Fi network and sure enough the, the, the first page that um, came up um, as they got on that Wi-Fi network was all the crisis pregnancy uh, helplines and you know don't go for it here are the alternatives uh, hey, a great great initiative you know I mean to use that kind of creativity and initiative, we, we've had Jericho marches around the abortion centre. And just in January, uh, the, the oldest abortion centre closed in the United Kingdom in Birmingham. Mary Stokes, who've been praying there for, um, for since 2011, that's eight, nine years, under four days for life and 20, 30 years. So, so that was an incredible achievement. And, and knowing what God can, can work in this ministry and, and bring the stories to life. You know, we've got yeah. some great women who've chosen life at the last minute, bringing their stories to life and just thinking, you know, if somebody wasn't there that day, this child might not be alive. And to see the spiritual fruits, lives saved, lives transformed. Um, you know, this pro-life movement is all about transformation. It's about saving lives, inspiring hearts and minds. Um, and, you know, it's about bringing a propositional alternative. You know, we don't have to live in an abortion culture. Um, that There is a, a better way of living. There's, there's hope for anyone who's had an abortion. There's God's mercy, redemption. The way God works, you know, somebody's had an abortion and then they find God's love, healing, uh, reconciliation, forgiveness. Uh, and then their story can impact hundreds of people. You know, the, the love and the mercies they've experienced profoundly, they can influence hundreds of other people through Rachel's Vineyard, through other post-abortion ministries. So... Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, knowing what's at stake, I think, you know, firstly, we want to communicate the crisis of abortion. You know, this is, you know, the leading cause of death, leading cause of death worldwide, you know, 42 million abortions in the year, a year around the world. We have you know, over 8 million abortions in the United Kingdom, 200,000 uh, every single year. So at first it, it's easy to lift up your hands and be exasperated and say, what can I possibly do? You know, these are huge statistics. I can't possibly impact them. But, you know, we're called to change people's lives one person at a time. And, uh, you know, we're not going to change a whole ocean all at once, but we can put a drop in that ocean. And the life saved, you know, that's not only the life of the child is saved, the mother might avoid a lifetime of regrets, might impact that family for generations to come, avoid a, a divorce. Um, that child would be a statistic. And it's saving one life and, and having to meet the babies, you know, who've been saved, from abortion in this ministry that's the most incredible experience you know to know through god's grace through the courage of the mum through the witness of the pro-lifers that that baby is alive today um, because we were there praying i mean that's an incredible experience and you know wow humbling amazing and to know and 90 percent of the stories we never hear about so um, so yeah to motivate people i think you've got to inspire empower encourage um you've got to facilitate discipleship um, and you've, you've got to create community as well. And, and those, those are all, you know, dynamic ways with the internet, 
this is a big way how this movement has spread. You know, the words got across from America to the UK from the internet. Um, so we can use all these tools on the internet. And, and what we've done as a ministry in the last five years, um, we've used communication channels really well. You know, YouTube, uh, books, um, Unplanned, the movie, um, we podcasts, um, webcasts, all these tricks, to, to all these ways to help promote and, and, and help get our message out there. And that's the exciting thing with the internet is, is we can reach people who would never be able to, to reach uh, previously and you know it's an open field like you know unless you're unless you're sort of uh um blocked or, or censored which is increasingly happening <laughs> and it does happen on some platforms it does happen on some platforms it's kind of frustrating uh you know it's, to you google yeah it's a pirate zone out there and you, you just gotta go you just gotta sort of go go for it and you know most places it's an open field so oh, yeah, yeah I, had, I remember times. this one yeah. guy from saudi arabia write me this wow. four years ago about wow. asking for a sermon on confession for his father wow. to listen to. <laughs> and he went, dot, 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 please pray for us because we're getting shot at, at, you know, going to mass. I'm going, <laughs> first thing in my mind is, going, yeah, internet? I was like, wow. yeah, I'm going, all right, yeah, somebody might have internet. I'm, I don't know. And, well, I'm never going to complain again about being, you know, miss, you know, traffic on the roads or I'm going to mass. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, all literally everywhere on the in the world. Uh, I mean, Antarctica probably has Wi-Fi. If there's anybody down there, they're probably watching something down. There. Uh, so you talked about books. I've been using a lot of uh, Dr. Nathanson uh, back here. I've, I got his two, two of his books and two, three podcasts or lectures that he did. I put them to the YouTube channel. It is amazing how many people don't know about him, even in the pro-life movement. Um, who's your? I mean, obviously you got an unplanned with. Abby Johnson, and uh, uh, you'll see the uh, speeches from other pro-lifers, uh, David Deladin, uh, and his work. Who are your, uh, the biggest tracks, I guess, or education? I mean, the Canadian Bioethics Group is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Is there stuff like that in UK as well? Or he, uh, I know there's books in, like, on Nathanson out there, but is he well-known? Is in you know, the, his rescue group that he put together, Operation Rescue? So, um, Dr. Bernard Nathanson is not particularly well known in the United Kingdom. Um, he wrote the book, The Hand of God, and, you know, he used to work for the abortion lobby, legalizing abortion. You know, the, then he had this incredible conversion and, you know, he put the silent scream out. Um, the, I think it's the edge of reason as well. Uh, the most incredible story, you know, across from being pro-abortion to being pro-life and, you know, The Silent Scream is an incredible film, seeing how the, the baby sort of moves away from the abortion instruments, uh, showing, you know, how, how that baby is, is alive. So the courage for him to, you know, hum, he, he aborted his own child. He was involved in thousands of abortions. Uh, the Hand of God is one of the best books from uh, a former abortionist uh, turned pro-life that, that is out there. Um, so he's got this incredible story. And um, yeah, to, in his position to be able to admit that he was wrong, uh, is quite a humbling, uh, humbling experience to do, you know, to, to come to the realization that you were involved in the deaths of hundreds, you know, thousands of uh, unborn children. And so sort of to reach that point, the, the, the pain and the hurt um, for most people, they can't really go there. And just denial is, is the easiest uh, is easiest sort of way out but um god has he's he's dead now but god has used him powerfully for uh he's a convert to the catholic faith that has used 
his work powerfully. And now there, there are many more people who, um, more people who followed in his footsteps. And we've seen a couple of abortion workers leave in the United Kingdom, but nothing in comparison to what's happened in the United States. And we, we actually have two full-time uh, members of staff, um, Sue Thayer, who used to be a director of Planned Parenthood. She's now director of Outreach for Good Days for Life. And also Hayward Robinson, he was a, an abortion doctor. I've, I've traveled to Africa a couple of times with him on ministry trips. And he has done incredible, uh, you know, incredible work. And, you know, he's strong in his faith, um, but he's now a pro-life advocate. And, you know, to, to come to that realization, you, you know, you've been involved in, in many abortions and to come to a pro-life position, what, what a humbling experience. Abby Johnson is, is the most famous um, pro-life activist who was a, a former abortionist mm -hmm. um, who's out there. Her, her film Unplanned was a Hollywood film last year. It was shown in 1600 cinemas in the United States and has gone international. Uh, hugely successful and, and incredible how her story has turned. You know, she's helped 500 abortion workers leave the abortion industry from her ministry and then there were none, um, which is amazing work to have the courage to leave her job. Um, you know, and she's, she's got many children now and uh, yeah, that's, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, and after that film was published in the United States, they had a hundred inquiries into, and then there were none. And that, that represents 1% of the abortion workforce in the United States, which doesn't seem like a lot, but, that, but actually that's, that's a really big deal. So, yeah. um, so her, her testimony is, is, is pretty powerful. And, and that's why they wanted to sue her in, in the film. They, they knew the impact that, that it would have. And to have an insider's perspective, um, to have an insider's perspective um, is, is really fascinating in this work because, you know, both you and I, we're, you know, we're just sort of pro-life. We, we haven't worked in the abortion industry um, or for an abortion provider, but really? for somebody who has, they know that the business, they know the deal. And, uh -huh. and this is the United, this is the really exciting thing in the United Kingdom. So, you know, we've got the, the headquarters of Planned Parenthood International um, have their headquarters uh, in the United Kingdom. Um, International Planned Parenthood Federation. They work as a federation of organisations, so it's just kind of their head office, but it's not a big office. But but also, Mary Stokes International also have their head office in the United Kingdom. So uh, now they are responsible for providing one in eleven abortions internationally. Mary Stokes. So uh, they're working in like thirty-seven countries around the world, uh, and one of their biggest donors is the British government. So. Um, what's the most interesting thing is so many of the abortions that they're providing abroad are technically illegal according to the laws of those countries. So, um, so you know, to have an insider's perspective from, yeah. from understanding how they work internationally and, and, you know, to get the British government, what happened when Trump first came in was he stopped all the international funding for abortion providers in, in one, you know, one signature, it all went just wow. So, so if we could have the same impact in the UK, um, lose the British government as a donor towards, you know, Mary Stapes, that, that would be an incredible achievement. And, you know, we would save thousands and thousands of lives in, in, in one move. But the, the fascinating thing is that the abortion providers that, you know, when it comes down to it, they're not playing by the rules and these abortions are illegal. And even if you're not pro-life, even if you're not religious, what they're providing is absolutely rubbish you know just complete rubbish it's it's not healthcare it's rubbish service and they get away with it there's nothing on abortion in africa on the internet anywhere so so this is a huge mission field which is completely unearthed at the moment um of you know western donors money going to africa for neo-colonial 
you know, neo-colonial sort of reasons, imposing abortion, breaking the laws of these countries. So this is a great topic. Hardly anyone's touching it, apart from Uji Okocha at the moment. So, you know, with God's will, that's going to open very, very, you know, very soon. And we're, we're going to see big impacts in that, in that field too. You also got those, uh, those boats, don't they have like some kind of ship or boats that come over and you do the abortion on the ships? Yeah, there's a ministry um, of, of uh, I'm not sure they do very much. It was more like a publicity stunt. So okay. they used to do like abortions on ships um, close to countries where abortion was illegal, you know, like, but Malta is the only country in Europe now, apart from the Vatican, where abortion is illegal. So they used to go outside Portugal and outside Ireland, I think, you know, put a, put a ship sort of off the sea. But, you know, to be honest, you can, you know, in, you could just get a flight to another country and have an abortion. It was yeah. more like a public publicity stunt. But, you know, I think the interesting thing about the, you know, abortion model in America, you know, they're, they're pushing the abortion pill earlier and earlier now uh, to take it anywhere as a business model for Planned Parenthood, for other, others. That's, that's going to make life more difficult for them. If it's anonymous, if it's on the internet, if it's universally available, then, you know, it's a business model, then people aren't going to necessarily want to come to them. So, you know, maybe that's going to be a challenge in, in, in the future in terms of abortion provision, if it's available anywhere and, um, you know, on, on the internet, that kind of thing, then for abortion providers, actually, maybe life's going to be a little bit more, more difficult. But there's plenty of people kind of doing these kind of stunts, uh, yeah. trying to get publicity in this field too. Yeah. Uh, Cleric-wise, I know about Father Einauer has some problems, I understand. He had a book mm -hmm. called Demonic Abortion. It, mm -hmm. I don't think it's even published anymore. Or you mm -hmm. find it on Amazon for $130 and $300. But he mentions in there having the priests go in the four corners of the clinics and doing minor exorcisms over there for nine days or 30 days, whichever they want to do. And he was saying that there, there was, he was finding evidence that it would work. Um, I know there's priests out here in the States that have talked about doing that as well. Just it's hard to get the same days and days and days and days busy wise etc are how's the clerics over there embracing the movement uh i know it's probably not 100 percent because i remember my brother was talking about even in seminary not 100 percent of them would go down to the clinics mm -hmm. uh, it was you know obviously big pro-life all across the board it's just some more wanting to go than others yeah, well, we, we basically, uh, in terms of uh, priests getting involved, we're an ecumenical campaign, um, but mostly Catholic in the UK. Um, and some people will get involved, so some won't, so what? And, you know, London, we've got hundreds of churches and we just have to get the people who are going to be on board. We can't convert the sort of clergy to get involved if they're not going to. And many of them are busy. They've got other ministries. Uh, we have had priests who've done exorcisms outside some of the clinics um and yeah um we've had some really great priests and you know they can reach they can reach a, a lot of people through their preaching through their homilies um and um we we need the priests to, to to you know ask people to get involved as well so um we've had quite a number of bishops who prayed outside some of the centers and um when the abortion center closed in central london um we got permission to have mass said inside the building uh, after the abortion center closed. So that was a very spiritually powerful moment. And, you know, we, we are, you know, on the front lines of a, of a battle between life and death. And you see very, you know, strong spiritual connections with, uh, with this work. And no, no doubt that there's a strong, you know, spiritual evil that, that, you know, I've witnessed personally of uh, things that very odd things that have happened. And, you know, whether it's been from, you know, delirious protesters uh, making sacrilegious comments uh, continually 
um, whether it's somebody offering a leaflet of help to a woman and, and seconds just before offering that leaflet, somebody will come out of nowhere mysteriously and create havoc and prevent that leaflet being given, which was potentially a life-saving, uh, life-saving charitable act. Um, suddenly something dramatic will happen. And um, we've seen, you know, we've seen really, um, we've seen really bizarre, bizarre things happen outside abortion centers in the UK. And we know spiritually, um, you know, what's involved, the, the, the deaths of innocent unborn children. Um, this is what's at stake. Uh, we had one woman who was holding the abortion pill inside the abortion center in Ealing and they got her blood results wrong and she walked out without the abortion. She gave her testimony with a, with a one-year-old child outside uh, during one of our, during one of our conferences, um, just knowing how close some people have come to, to aborting their children, yeah. be seconds away from, seconds away from, from you know, abortion um, experience. But the, the image of abortion in the hearts and minds of British people is something completely different from what you see outside an abortion center. Um, what you see is something very painful, something very lonely, um, something quite ugly. Um, and th this idea that abortion is clean, um, you know, morally sort of uh, not relevant, um, easy, easy, uh, uncontroversial. What you see outside abortion centers, we've seen partners forcing their girlfriends into abortions. Um, we have seen uh, the abortion providers hide the ultrasound picture from women who are going for an abortion because they know they're more likely to have an, an abortion procedure if they hide the right. image of the ultrasound baby. Uh, we've also seen a you know, woman sign all the papers and then the abortion providers say, oh, no, you sit down when she wanted to leave. Uh, you sit down, you sign your papers. So uh, in, in addition, uh, many of the abortion providers will say, you know, if you're there with a chaperone, then they want to separate the chaperone, the boyfriend out. As soon as you get in the abortion center, put the woman on her own. She's a lot more likely to have the abortion. So, so all these devious tactics and, you know, the, you know, the spirit of the enemy that is that there is a demonic connection without, without doubt. And, um, it's it's subtle, it's it's hidden, but what's involved in, in Ealing, West London, more than a hundred babies over twenty weeks gestation have been uh, aborted in that one centre alone. Just you know, getting rid of the aborted babies. Uh, twenty weeks is like half you know halfway through pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. So getting rid of those babies, you know, I mean, this is a sort of major operation, and uh, it's it's tragic. But where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And you know, we've got the spiritual tools: prayer, fasting. Um, God has given us these incredible tools and, you know, some pavement counselors have, have saved hundreds of lives from, you know, being courageous, um, being on the front line and yeah, you're, you're right against, uh, you know, enemies HQ. So uh, you better sort of, uh, you, you better sort of step up and step up and be spiritually astute because uh, you're not going to last long if, uh, you're not going to last long if, if you're not, uh, you know, realizing that the spiritual source, um, from from where a lot of the abortion mentality mentality is um, but at the same time god's you know god's on our side and through prayer miracles life saved yeah it's, it's a great ministry it's literal spiritual combat if you're wanting spiritual absolutely. warfare this is absolutely yeah yeah this is yeah you mentioned yeah. about the nutty things that would go on when we had mass yeah. outside the clinic yeah i remember father right when he was doing consecration I mean, he literally just, you know, did the consecration. Somebody's driving by Adelaide on the horn. I got it on video. It's on the YouTube channel of uh, the guy yelling out, hell Satan. And he's just, he, I, <laughs> father starts smiling, goes, 
he, I asked him, what'd you think? And he goes, I know we're doing the right thing. And that was right when he, right before he did the elevation. And man, I mean, that was not just a few times that we, right during the consecration, someone lay down the horn or yell something out or something weird went happening. Um, yeah. We had a, a lot of the Protestants would yell at us during like the, the when we did the procession. The guy that was there every day of the week trying to, you know, talk to people driving in. That day, instead of focusing on the people going in the clinic, he focused all his attention on the 800 people walking around with the Blessed Sacrament. <laughs> do you have Do you have that? I mean, I see you see the videos like here in Charlotte. Uh, there's this Reformation Charlotte, who and you got the was it abortion uh, abolish abortion group forever? I think it is the mm -hmm. most anti-Catholic group people on the, on the planet, it seems like. <laughs> you have that in England as well? Because I know there's, I mean, the, one of the four horsemen is pro, is for life. Uh, I think he's dead now, but I remember him being, uh, I think it was Hitchens that was always talking about pro-life issues. And uh, I think Chris, uh, was it uh, one of the Hitchens, was it Peter Hitchens is, is pro-life, I think. Yeah, well, Peter Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens is uh, atheist, one of the, you know, I think he's passed away now. Christopher Hitchens is an atheist. I think that was him. I think yeah, was, Peter Hitchens has had quite a few pro-life talks, okay. I think. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a quite a few uh, 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 atheist pro-life channels, Yeah, there, as you were talking about. So <laughs> is, you say you're ecumenical and such, but uh, how is it when you have those things, do you see a lot of the Protestants going after you guys too? or? Well, um, yeah, we don't have so many crazies in, in the UK in terms of, um, you know, people, uh, there's a lot of people who, you know, are involved in pro-life or pro-abortion. Sometimes when you have a big event, it draws a lot of people, uh, a lot of people there. So we do have, uh, we do have um, pro-abortion campaign groups who, um, who have come out at certain times, but we have, we don't have as many of the eccentric sort of pro-life side we have a group that focuses on graphic imagery which has been very effective in changing people's minds um, but we don't have the more of the bullhorn sort of variety of people who want to just ca cause a nuisance there are there are a few crazies but not so many and you know we haven't uh, had the kind of people who want to sort of shoot the abortionists this kind of uh, <laughs> this kind of uh, stuff happening in the uk as well so the pro-life movement is much smaller here uh, much smaller here and um, but, you know, we've had big rallies. We had like a, a big rally in central London. Hundreds of people turned up. Um, that was a very, very spiritually powerful moment. And many of the pro-abortion groups sort of turned up as well. You take your rosaries off our ovaries kind of chants, what have you. Um, so the Protestant groups aren't so active in the United Kingdom, um, which is a shame. We need to empower them. A friend of mine works for Brepos, um, small ministry trying to empower the evangelical churches to get involved in the pro-life movement. So um so yeah there's a lot of work to be done in terms of galvanizing inspiring um many of the other churches as, as well um but yeah we've had we've had a few crazies here, here and there you know but um the big thing is the abortion movement have a very strong um control on the, on the narrative in the united kingdom and accusing us of his, uh, causing harassment or distress when we're actually offering help and, and that message they've just kept on going in the media so that's been a challenge re responding to that but if we can you know, take take back control of the narrative of this um, topic. Where there's going to be a case in the Supreme Court about the ban outside the uh, Ealing Abortion Centre, um, and that's a chance to to break down that law and and to to get free speech back in West London. And and maybe that's a chance to reframe the narrative to, that we're actually there to help women, 
to offer alternatives. And uh, yeah, that's a challenging message to get across in the secular media too. So um, yeah, there's a lot of good work to be done here in the UK. Yeah. How's, this might be a weird one. How's, and you guys got a big Muslim population there. How are they with the movement? So um, there are very few uh, Muslim sort of pro-life campaigners. Um, there is somebody who works for the Society of Protection of Unborn uh, Children, who is a Muslim who runs sort of a Muslim uh, branch for that. But um, we have about you know three million Muslims in the UK with a population around sixty million here. So they're quite you know sizable minority here. Um, it's kind of a taboo subject for them. So occasionally you do see Muslims who are going for an abortion and they know that, you know, if they have a child out of wedlock, there's going to be a lot of shame to their family. Um, so you do see quite a number of uh, Muslim women who are going for an abortion. Um, they're not a hundred percent pro-life. Some of the Muslims, they kind of believe that installment kind of takes place about 40 days. Some of them believe that. And, um, so they are generally pro-life, but, um, you know, many of them kind of in this, Big dilemma if they do get pregnant in, in an unconventional uh, situation for them that it'll bring a lot of shame to their family potentially and that's uh, and, and that would be something that pushes them towards abortion but in terms of being in, involved in the pro-life movement and uh, the Muslims are, are hardly involved uh, whatsoever in, in the pro-life movement they largely keep to their own communities here and they have large families um, and so yeah they're not involved in the pro-life movement at all. Interesting I've always wanted to ask somebody in the movement and I just I never had, I never had the opportunity, especially in, you know, your neck of the woods. Yeah. We got the Muslim population here, but it's nothing like how I hear in London or et cetera. Yes. Yeah, so um, we're doing really well in Latin America at the moment. And uh, I've, when I first got involved in 2012, full time, we only had 20 international campaigns. And now we have moving on 230 international campaigns. It's grown over 11 folds um, in this time over six, seven years. And, some of the places where we've had a really great impact has been Colombia, where now we have over four, 45 cities who are involved. We see about 50 lives saved each campaign from abortion. Pro Familia is the abortion provider in Colombia, in South America. And they've, they've done incredibly well. It's been amazing uh, seeing the ministry grow, um, grow. Uh, they've done beyond all wildest imaginations. And it's, it's an exciting time there. So... Um, they have these baby showers and like 25 mums that have turned up every every year uh, who've given birth to their babies to say thank you to them, uh, give them some gifts. Uh, it's just beautiful to see that and uh, to, know, to see how that's grown from like one person starting a campaign to being a nationwide movement. Uh, I've been to Croatia five times. Um, we now have every single uh, location in Croatia where abortion is performed legally. Uh, we have a prayer vigil outside. So outside all the hospitals, we've got uh, about 35 vigils outside in 30 um in 35 cities 37 vigils uh it, it's amazing to see that we had one one mission trip there in 2014 and, and now the whole country's involved so it's a you know formerly a catholic country and four million population and they've seen about 100 lives saved in in, in total so um yeah i've been i've been to africa about seven times um yeah, uh, pro-life activism is highly undeveloped in Africa, um, but 80 to 90% of the population is like Christian and pro-life. Um, it's just they don't have the resources, the training, the experience. You know, to, to be full-time doing pro-life there, you've got to be very privileged, very lucky to be able to afford to do that. So the, the leaders there are few and far between, but the churches are, you know, still major stakeholders in society. And abortion is largely illegal in these countries, and then you've got the abortion providers ignoring that and still still being part of it there. So... There's a lot of good work to be done there, you know, and it's, it's a sort of fresh mission field of 
of opportunities that, that are, need to be done there. So, are um, people seeing the link between contraception and abortion? Um, so yeah, not um, that's that's a really important link, and you know some of the uh, contraceptives have an abortion quality, like the you know abort uh, the, the contraceptive pill. Uh, you know, is also an abortifacient. Uh, for some people, this is a, you know, revelation. They've never heard this before. Um, and certainly, you know, Africa, you, they've had contraception pushed on them by the West. Um, a lot of people don't realize the, the, the subtleties um, that the contraceptive mentality bring, you know, and, and actually every place where they promote contraception, it actually leads to more abortions. And, um, you know, it, it's not a sort of solution to, to AIDS necessarily. Uh, it's, there's, there's many false conceptions there. And, you know, many of these countries, they're looking for education. They're looking for, you know, uh, roads, infrastructure, clean water, um, basic health care. This is the kind of thing. And the West has just spent so much money on family planning, contraception, all these euphemisms towards, you know, abortion and contraception. And that, that's just been shoved down their throat. Mm -hmm. relentlessly which is a tragedy you think of all the good projects that could be used as a as a substitute for that but of course contraception exactly. leads leads to abortion you know father paul mark said in every country you visited you see contraception leads to more uh, abortions and yeah the pill you know tricks a woman's body uh, into thinking that it's pregnant it leads to you know num increase of uh, possibility of cancer in certain areas and um, yeah, none of these things are, are, you know, part of authentic human development and, you know, preventing an authentic uh, chastity, uh, an authentic understanding of sexuality. Uh, this is what young people are yearning for. And, you know, that's how we change the culture to a culture of life. So that's, that's what we need to do. So there's definitely a link there. And, you know, our ministry is focused on praying to end abortion. So we're not involved in contraception per se. Um, Having said that, you know, a lot of people think, you know, Randy Alcon's book, Does the Birth Control Pill Cause Abortions? How many Christians don't even know that? So, so these are great sort of conversation starters. And, you know, it's great for people to think, join the dots together um, and sort of become spiritually awake of, of the, the broader picture and some of the causes of abortion too. So we'll get back to the praying part because obviously, you know, I, I mean, you hear a lot of stories, somebody coming out and they didn't have abortion because they saw somebody out there praying on their knees and on the cement and the rain <laughs> it stuck with them and they, they ended up not coming. They ended up coming out, not going through with it. Um, what's your best advice for, I know we talked about, you know, just going and getting motivation to do it, but mm -hmm. grabbing a friend and going, uh, getting the youth group to go just so you can get your feet wet. Uh, what are some tips that these guys can do to, uh, you know, just, just start, just, you know, just do it. I mean, it Chester's thing is a great line of, anything what they're doing is worth doing badly. I mean, you really can't screw this up. You just got to go. You bet. Yeah. Well, the first thing is absolutely no action. Yeah. Like just go and join a group that is already doing this and just go one time for one hour to go and pray at your local abortion center for one hour, you know, and go ask God what he can do in and through you. Uh, ask, ask God how he can end abortion in and through your prayers, in and through your actions, in and through your words. Um, and you might be amazed by the results. We had a teacher turn up at our vigil. He prayed for an end to abortion. He asked God to show him how he could influence. He went back to his school. He gave every single pupil in the school, you know, a strong pro-life message, you know, and just think of all the good that happened as a result of him praying for one hour, going back to his school, giving a pro-life message to all the pupils he could, you know, it was a beautiful story. And um, yeah, you know, we've had uh, like a Polish lady in the UK, Justina Pasek, 
She started as an intern at one of the pro-life organizations. She ended up outside one of the busiest late-term abortion centers in London. And, you know, she was there five years. She's married now. She's moved on, retired. But as a pavement counselor, she saved probably around 500 lives from abortion, offering leaflets outside of, you know, 8,000 abortions there a year. And every week, one or two people would change their minds and not go ahead with the abortion. They, they were just the ones we knew about. So cumulatively, you know, that's uh, over time, it, she saved a huge amount of lives and a very, very hard ministry, persecuted, ridiculed, spat upon. Um, you know, you're, you're really at Calvary there. And, uh, you know, using a spiritual power pack, uh, you know, like using monasteries as uh, top trumps, uh, getting other people to pray for you, um, asking a lot of people to pray for you a lot of the pavement counselors have a whatsapp group you know they'll ask a hundred people to pray for somebody just as they spoke with them and you know if if a hundred people reading that message you're praying for that one person you never know how god can use prayers um for good and getting all the monasteries all the holy holy nuns praying you never a prayer really works and that's why we've seen a thousand babies saved from abortion here in in the uk so so getting people to pray for others and then you know getting people to bless the rosaries pray for um Pray for the people who the rosaries are given to, um, like your grace-filled words, you know, that can literally save, save a life on, on the front lines. And, and not many other jobs, you can't save a life on a daily basis. In this work, you can do. So despite all the ridicule, persecution and, and difficult problems that we encounter, uh, you know, some of these pavement counselors, they've got a, they've got, you know, some of their words can, can literally change change your life and you know being very careful about the way you approach people talk to them offer alternatives offer advice these things are really really important and you know i've heard stories of, of women who've been seconds away from having an abortion in, in brighton you know a young woman was really aggressive towards one of the pavement counselors there she chose life at the last moment she was homeless and the 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 woman offered to take her into a home um she lived with her for, for a while the local council phoned her up said what are you doing you know looking after this woman but um, she was the one who was there for them. She chose life. Um, it was an incredible moment, incredible story. Uh, another couple, Danny and Carla, they spoke at the March for Life in the UK. And they, you know, they love this ministry. They're going for an abortion. People are praying for them outside and they chose life at just at the last minute. And, they, you know, their child is alive today. It's, it's a beautiful, amazing, amazing story. And this, this has happened time and time again. Uh, we had Another person, one of his relatives was going for an abortion in the very place where he was praying. They had no idea, but they chose life and didn't go ahead with it uh, at the last minute. So these really powerful moments of uh, really powerful moments. Uh, another woman was being pushed into an abortion in Ealing in West London, and she jumped out of the window to escape having an abortion, jumped over the hedges <laughs> and ran away, ran away from her family. They called the police, <laughs> ran away from the family, um, ran away from the family. Um, and uh you know she chose life and uh, she had a baby speaking at a pro-life event uh, several several years later so and uh, we've got a nun who does the pavement counseling in london and the, the we kept on having the police called on us and uh, the police would tell her to go down the road and she sort of stood her ground and told them where to you know said no i know we have freedom of expression in this country and said no i'm not i'm staying here and they sheepishly walked off so um so we've got some pretty uh pretty amazing stories that some people come up to you and start preaching at you and tell you where to go smoking kills as much as abortion but yeah. um but yeah it's a great opportunity for evangelization that the, the grace-filled conversation is as well you know um speaking to the people who've had abortions being that you know spreading seeds of hope and you know most people don't change their minds there and then but they go home in the privacy of their own homes 
they might have a change of heart, a change of moment, but, but you, you spread the, the doubt or the idea in their, their minds. And when the abortionists come up to you and they start justifying their job to you, uh, you're in a really good position because there's, there's a seed of doubt in their mind. Like they really need to justify their job to us. And what the, the abortion center in Bournemouth, they, they put up a poster saying, we are so sorry about the people outside inside their center. So uh, it, it kind of shows that you're, you're getting on their nerves. That, that, you're in their heads. <laughs> yeah, God, you know, God's working on their consciences. Mm-hmm. And you know, Thomas Aquinas says the first reaction to truth is anger. So when we see really angry people, uh, you know, I thought, uh oh, we've 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 offended them, but but sometimes God's working in their hearts and their minds, and, and they're the people that have the big change of mind. That the nice, polite people, they don't you, you don't necessarily reach them in the same way, but the the ones who are going, you know, really angry sometimes, yeah, God, you know, they've been lied to their whole life and they just found out and they're furious. So so yeah. um, that that's going to be how God God works. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We, we our our way of doing it is heaping coal hill, uh, hot coals on people's heads by. Praying, praying for them, yeah, smiling exactly. at them. We're not. That's right. Yeah, not yelling <laughs> at them. We're the like, police. Yeah, we're the police. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like quietly praying there, and they're going completely bonkers. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I have, when we I was at the March for Life a couple of years ago, we had an anti-Catholic guy yelling at us. I'm one of those guys, not. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I gave him a little thing and got in his face with the bullhorn in front of my face. So it didn't work out well for me, but. <laughs> <laughs> I see the guys doing that at the clinics, just yelling in their boomers going, what's your percentage? How, how, how fruitful have you ever been with this? You're like, um, but on the plus side, you see a little old lady praying for somebody like in, in the, in the rain and it sticks. <laughs> um, what are, what are some, uh, tools? Cause you were talking about, um, you know, reaching out to the different groups, to who do you got contact to in the United Kingdom or the other countries to get in these, you know, the, well, to establish the 40 days for uh, 40 days prayer for life anyways. Yep. Um, so in order to start a new campaign, we need a new leader and we have two campaigns a year, one in Lent and one in the autumn. And, you know, we have a recruitment time, June and December is when we recruit, uh, register, register new campaigns and we've had some great organizations take on the campaign who are you know crisis pregnancy centers there are 3,000 of those in the United States um, there's many different pro-life organizations around the world some of them organize a local 40 days for life campaign or it could be an individual who feels called to this work so yeah there's a there's a lot of good work to be done by by leaders recruiting them uh, inspiring connecting with different leaders and um, you know now we have a whole range of different ways for people to get involved you know we've got the podcast we've got magazine uh, we've got merchandise we have um we have unplanned the film which is like a hollywood film which is you know a great way for people to find out about abortion it shows the reality a graphic reality of abortion but also hope and a story a very dynamic story of abby johnson uh, we've got you know a whole number of books and we're going to have loads more books in the next few years as well so so all these ways are promotional ways of, of um, you know, building rapport with uh, building rapport with leaders. And, you know, the campaign rises and falls on the quality of the local leader. And you have somebody dynamic, they can set up a national campaign like we've seen in the UK and Croatia, Colombia, uh, Mexico, in these countries, Australia, New Zealand, all, all around the world. You've got a dynamic person, they can lead a national movement. There's no question of that. And we've seen that happen time and time again. Um, but it has to be somebody who feels strongly, feels passionately about this topic, uh, that also feels that God is calling them to this work as well, because it's a spiritual campaign, and this is spiritual work. Um, it's about prayer, 
And, you know, it's about turning to God in prayer and believing that he can change our country and culture one person at a time, um, that we can't do this on our own. We can't do this through human effort alone, um, that we need spiritual. We're, we're praying, we're turning to God that he will change our culture and save lives and redeem, you know, redeem the abortion sort of culture that has developed and, and, and build a culture of life. And, and that happens one person at a time. And, you know, that's why we've seen the spiritual results that we have seen over 100 abortion centers close. Um, over 16,000 lives saved. We've seen you know, a movement of a million people, uh, 500 cities getting involved, you know, routinely every, every twice, twice a year now. So, so this is, this is the way that God's working. And, and I believe, you know, we're keep, going to keep on growing. We should be up to 300 cities internationally um, by a, a year's time it, with the current growth that we've seen. Um, and we need to connect with people. We need to take them where they're at. And I've been trying to recruit India recently, infant you know um uh female abortion is is very common in um very common in india but they don't have the same culture to organize this particular type of ministry but we need to work with people where they're at and connect with them where the topics that matter most and and often it's post-abortive women who, who are really keen to be leaders because they know the pain and the hurt that's involved in this topic and they want to help other people who've been through their similar experience. It's quite an abstract topic sometimes, abortion, and people who haven't experienced it personally, uh, so some of the people who've been wounded the most, uh, they're the ones who are able to heal and, and help other people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really exciting time to be involved in the pro-life movement, and so much is up for stake in America. Um, you know, we've got the Supreme Court coming up. We've got Trump, maybe another four years uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, and it's like, it's go time. Like, Especially uh, if uh, Darth Vader Ginsburg ever dies. And yeah, <laughs> doors, door, unthinkable doors are opening at the moment, yes. which is incredible. And, and what happens in, in America, it, it is inspiring the rest of the world. Like, the pro-life movement is not as developed in other countries as it is in America. Like, 3,000 crisis pregnancy centers. You've got the organizations, the money, the, the, um, the history, uh, extreme abortion laws. Um, so there's a lot to learn from America, which needs to be kind of, it needs to be contextualized for each country, pastorally applicable. Uh, it needs to be put in the same language. You know, it needs to be packaged in a way that's, that's uh, relevant for, for different countries. So, so there's a huge amount to, to be learned, but at the same time, you know, we're scratching the surface of the opportunities The 6 billion people on, on the earth. There's so many international doors and openings. Um, you know, so, so we, we've only been going sort of, um, you know, just under 15 years as a ministry, but, you know, the next sort of 10 years, we're going to see massive growth. We're going to see more lives saved. And, you know, what with 42 million abortions a year, um, it's, uh, you know, the, the mission field is enormous, um, but the laborers are few. And so we're asking more laborers to come into the vineyard um, to see the spiritual fruits that, that, are, that are there. And, wow, it, it, it's incredible work, this. It's, it's God's work and, you know, saving lives, nothing could be more exciting than this it's uh it's an incredible ministry and and maybe we're going to see some great results and the big thing in america is you know if the federal law goes roe versus ways overturn the supreme court that's that's you know extremely plausible at the moment right now in the next five years the next one year it could go and, and when that happens abortion goes back to the local state and four states for life we are the local abortion local pro-life organization we have people in all 50 states in america so we are there with all our people on the local state so when the issue goes from you know being a federal you know supreme court issue to a local state issue half the states are going to be more pro-life inclined the other lot are going to be you know 
like New York, um, Virginia, uh, Michigan, abortion crazy. Um, so they're going to kind of it, it become extreme one way or the other. Um, but having people on the ground level and the local level, then that's, that's when it's going to get really exciting for the pro-life movement. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you yeah. bring up the big numbers. And like you said earlier, you can't yeah. think about those big numbers. You can yeah. influence your neighbor, your neighborhood, your yeah. family, your parish area. I mean, yeah. You, you got to focus small. And then the small, if everyone works together on the small, uh, I read a lot of Jocko Willick stuff and they talk about <clears throat> one team's doing X, the other team's doing X. You're working together for the ultimate goal. So if you get these guys out, and even yeah. when you were talking about New York and the nutty places like New York, California, and Virginia now, mm -hmm. if you stay local and flip those, those states, people getting in action, not only praying, but running for office, you can change those states. They're not yeah. perpetually in, you know, liberal in the sense of or pro-death or anti-straw, whatever. Um, you just got to get out there instead of complaining to actually do it. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah. Is all those podcasts and uh, that you were talking about for the uh, that you have the books and all that is that on the Forty Days for Life site? Yeah, if you just go to Forty Days for Life .com or Forty Days for Life Gear .com uh, or go to iTunes um, or just type in Forty Days for Life podcast, you'll find uh, any of the resources available. So we've got like a we've got a store, um, we've got gear, uh, we've got books, we've got magazines, we've got um, we've got. Um, yeah so you know the, the podcasts are great and, and nobody was doing that when we started podcasting five years ago there wasn't one pro-life podcast that was continuously going um you know non-stop when we started and you know i think we're probably the biggest pro-life podcast uh, out there. there's quite a number of people that started recently um but the, the quality of the podcast is very high we're getting great guests and um yeah it's it's really exciting in terms of the guests who, who are coming on and you know, nobody's addressing abortion in the, the in the particular way that, that we are from the local level, prayer, community organizing, activism. This is a great angle to come into the abortion debate. You talk about the statistics, the numbers, um, but this is making abortion, a, you know, pastoral issue, understanding, you know, it's a woman in a crisis pregnancy. It's something that happens in our local community. And, you know, we can look at 42 million abortions a year and think, you know, what can I possibly do about that? But you think about that one woman in your local town who's uh, nervous, afraid, alone, about to go for an abortion and think about reaching that one person. And if you reach that one person and then she reached three people, help them, influence them, and then they reached another two, you know, quickly things begin to accumulate and, and, and grow over time. So, you know, God doesn't do mathematics quite in the way that we think of uh, we think of problems and it, you know, before long you've suddenly got all this momentum and uh, momentum and uh, an opportunity. And, you know, we have about a thousand people listen to our podcast um, every, every week and you never know like the good that you can do from instilling, instilling hope in, in one person, they can start a national movement. So um, yeah, the mission field is, is, is really big and you know, the, the extremism that you witness in America um, infanticide in Virginia and New York, um, you think, you know, yikes, this is, this is crazy. How can we impact the culture that some of the numbers are as high as ever? Um, but all the more, all the more need to have, you know, authentic pro-life voice witness and also the grace and the manner in which we communicate, in which we talk, in which we do ministry, this is going to have a big impact on, on the, you know, spiritual fruitfulness and, you know, uh, being in a state of grace, um, being close to, um being close you know strong in prayer this is a great way to grow spiritually um 
but you know being involved in frontline ministry having a strong relationship with god being close to close to the sacraments um and that this is a way that your your work is going to be more spiritually fruitful than than uh than sort of going gung-ho and <laughs> gung-ho and bullhorn style so yeah, yeah it's actually this exactly. old lady yeah old lady old lady praying outside the clinic you know she's having more impact than you could possibly imagine and mm-hmm. you know people close to god that they're, they're they're the ones having great impact and uh a great impact and um yeah you know it's there's so much to play for and uh there's so much to play for and um yeah we've got some exciting times ahead in the next few years for the pro-life movement that's for sure that's for sure exactly yeah hamish frazier i don't know if you remember his name he was a convert from communism and he talked about how they use cells five people here five people here five people here those five people would break up and get five more people and they make these little cells and that's how they grew and he talked about that as how that's how we take back the culture by using using their tactics against them uh, yeah they way in the pro-life way exactly yeah you know we need to expand we need to grow exponentially and you know i believe that god blesses some ministries exponentially and yeah you know if we had the the organization of some of the communists you know they know how to organize things pretty well um there was a book by a former communist um you know of, of like when he became a christian he was kind of shocked at the kind of lack of organization and um yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, we need to sort of start cell groups and keep encouraging things to grow and, um, yeah, equip, empower, engage. Um, we've got so many great tools that we can use, um, so many great tools that we can use to, to we've had many conferences internationally and empowering people locally to end abortion where they live. That, that's what this ministry is all about. And, um, yeah, you, you can look at some of these communist countries thinking, you know, wow, how, how did that start? How, how did this it started, you know, probably by local cell groups, Lenin going to Lenin going to Russia, and and you know, before you know it, you suddenly you become the establishment uh, per se, and, and that's what we're looking for—a spiritual transfer of ownership from you know, culture of death to a culture of life, and and that's a, quite a difficult journey to 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 make. But you know, starting on the local level, that's that's where this can start, and you know, each campaign, Four Days for Life campaign, has a you know, leadership of four to six people, and. You know, having a strong team is the most powerful thing that you can do. And have a weekly meeting, accumulatively, what you can accomplish, um, building something up. You know, Brian, where our, our campaign started, the local uh, abortion centre closed. It's now our international headquarters. And, you know, who would have thought like, a little campaign of people praying on the street would suddenly turn into an international movement? And, you know, rather than being on the street, we suddenly have the, the office where all the abortions happened. And, you know, we now have a memorial to the unborn that's going to be launched this year and you know many churches can have a memorial to the unborn so so there's so many different ways that we can create a you know just grassroots ways of creating you know awareness of the humanity of the unborn child whether you're pastor you want a memorial or whether you've got a small group in your parish um there's there's so much momentum in the pro-life movement in america right now and we need to build on that and we need to have a missionary mentality there, there are three thousand crisis pregnancy centers in america but you know, internationally, some of these countries, they, they haven't even started yet. So, so, you know, doing a mission trip to another country, that's a very exciting project. And, you know, who knows how God can, can use, those, uh, use those mission trips for good. You know, sowing seeds, some, some things won't grow, but, but other things will. And uh, finding people who are keen, passionate, enthusiastic, that's, that's crucial in terms of getting cell groups started and then watching God grow those cell groups. Yeah. Dr. Nathanson talked about uh, in w- at the end of one of his lectures, finding out all the abortionists in your area and putting them in the newspaper 
I was just thinking, what if, <laughs> what if we ended up doing finding out where all the who all the abortionists are, and the politicians pushing for, it and have masses set for each one of them individually? Absolutely. Well, you know that. Um, so you know, name and shame is one tactic of of showing. You know, and it's like. You know, nobody kind of grows up wanting to be, uh, you know, wanting to work in an abortion centre. Like, people don't go into medicine saying, hey, I want to be an abortionist. It's sort of by chance, it's by circumstance, it's by, you know, money or convention or just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, um, you know, and I think, you know, part of this work is shining light into the darkness and the darkness does not overcome, um, does not overcome the light. So, you know, we need to be, the light, uh, shining light on, on the darkness and doing that in a grace-filled way of uh, accomplishing God's will, doing what God, ending abortion the way God wants us to end it, rather than how we conceptually think that, you know, God is going <laughs> to work in and through us mean, um, to end it. You mean our it. way is not, is, he's got better ideas than us? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's right. So, you know, that, that's right. So, you know, I've been watching a video from um, Monsignor Philip Riley, the founder of the Helpers of God's Precious Influence. He was involved in the rescue movement for years, and that was a big thing in the 80s and 90s. And people thought, oh, we just need to stop them going into the clinic and, you know, blockade the entrance and break the law and get arrested and this kind of stuff. Um, but praying there has been a lot more spiritually fruitful and um, we've learned that and even at the Planned Parenthood conferences they say the no-show rates outside you know the abortion center whether people are praying outside can be as high as 75 percent when people uh, are praying out there so you, you're, you're praying there you're thinking hey you know I'm a bit of a doofus here like I'm a bit of a geek um, I'm praying here my self-consciousness is sky high and I'm, I'm I hope, you know, I hope I didn't see my university lecturer who's going to pass by and, you know, expose me to all my friends um, when actually God is working. You know, witness, Paul VI said, you know, we, we don't need teachers, we need witnesses. And if there are teachers, it's, it's, it's because they're witnesses. So the power of witness is, is so strong in, so strong in society and personal, personal witness, really powerful. And you never know where somebody's at. You know, some of the people, they don't want to go for an abortion. A lot of women from other countries, illegal immigrants in the UK, they don't want an abortion. They feel like they have no other choice. So the whole rhetoric, uh, the whole rhetoric on choice is, is misplaced because, um, you know, many women feel like they don't have a choice, but, but abortion has been paraded, you know, with this rhetoric of, oh, it's just a choice. Um, but actually many women feel abused, um, pressurized, um, and forced to have an abortion. And, and, and that is, you know, a farce of the word, the word choice and nothing could be further from the truth so if we can regain the narrative of abortion and you know tell people stories and 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 reach out to where they're at and you know find that god's grace and healing for those who you know there's four million post-abortive women in you know in in the uk just where are these people personally emotionally spiritually have they heard of god's mercy god's love you know the healing forgiveness that comes with you know finding forgiveness and healing after an abortion experience um, many of them haven't, you know, and that's a huge mission field in, in and of itself, um, let alone people who go, you know, abortion minded, who are seconds away from having an abortion, something they might regret for, you know, a, a lifetime. So, um, yeah, the mission field is, is great. There's so much good to be done. And it's changing lives one person at a time. That's where God calls us to. He doesn't call us to be Superman, to change the whole culture, to make abortion go away for good. It's, it's changing hearts and minds one person at a time. And that's where his will is. And when we unite our will to his will, um, that's when miracles happen. That's when uh, great stories develop. And 
you know, if we turn to him in prayer and ask him and, and pray and humble ourselves to seek his, seek his will, seek his face, then he will answer our prayers and he will bring hope and healing to our nation. Amen to that. Yeah, if you look over my shoulder right there, that's a, that's a fresco in Italy for Lepanto where Our yeah. Lady is handing the uh, little rosary bees to the angel, dropping bombs on the, the Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about prayer works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Robert, yeah. I appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, you have it back on to update us a lot more for what's going on and uh, and just to promote it more. Just you know, just keep at it. Just keep it in people's minds. So would uh, love to have you back on maybe later on and maybe a month or so and do it again. Superb. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Steve. It's been great speaking with you and uh, keep up the great ministry. And uh, it's been, been a privilege uh, speaking to you today. Same here. Privilege is on this side of the ocean. <laughs> 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 Take care, bud. Great, Steph. Thanks so much indeed. Yes, yeah. sir.